Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. Okay, I love the crackberry. We know we both love the crackberry. That's a very different flavor after an Oreo. <laughs> oh, I didn't even try it. Holy shit. <laughs> episode 9, last of the single digits. Get ready for episode 10. Episode 10. We have some fun things. Just like when you're a kid and you get all excited for your double digits birthday, we're all excited for our double digits podcast. So yes. we have some fun ideas in the works. Yes, we do. A lot of... Um, I think that episode will be full of drinking. Yes. It's going to be a fun episode. It will be a fun episode. Yes. And I, I definitely think we will be, uh, well, we're going to drink something a little different mm-hmm. for episode 10. Yes, we are. So. More local. Yeah. Something local. And well, we've been doing okay with the local, but this is a new one that we haven't tried yet. So it'll be just fun all the way around. Mm-hmm. New topics. Now, um, what are we drinking in this episode? So for episode nine, we are uh, we are going back to one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. So if this is episode nine, I'm going to guess that this is our third, maybe fourth episode that we've done with this company. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We, we have because talked. We really like them. <laughs> I know we've talked extensively, and we've uh, visited our favorite place, Bishop Cidercade, many times. And mm-hmm. so we are drinking Bishop Crackberry. Yet again tonight, and this one has nothing to do with the store. I just saw it. It's not that there weren't other options. I just saw it sitting there and thought, you know what? Crackberry it is. I get the name. It literally, the ingredients say cranberries, blackberries, apples, and crack. (laughs) So, And there's a little asterisk by the crack, which I'm assuming means that there's lots of it in there. Asterisk does not contain crack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bishop, that's funny. How did we never notice that before? I loved this company. I did too. I'm putting that on our Instagram. That's hilarious. Love this company. How many times have we drank this that we didn't notice that it says there's crack in there? And then on the and then the asterisk leads you to does not contain crack. Well, because you know someone would have a fit if they saw crack on there. I but yeah, I absolutely love this this drink. And I'm not a I'm not a berry. You're not a crack person? Uh, one thing we have noticed, go ahead and point it out. So I'm going to tell the long story because I don't tell stories the short way. You but don't? <laughs> Shut up. Newsflash! <laughs> <laughs> By no. the way, it takes us probably two hours to get ready to record because we talk so damn much. That is not even close to an exaggeration. It's not. <laughs> it does take us that long. <laughs> yeah. So... In the craft beer world, there's there's a bunch of breweries that pair their beers with Girl Scout cookies because some... Oh, I did not know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's actually one coming up at Lakewood in Garland. Oh, and when is this? I don't know. I'll look it up and tell you I think because you we should go. We should and go and we should wear our shirts. Yes, we should. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So we'll see you at Lakewood. Um, but they, they take whatever, whatever brew they feel like tastes the best with that particular Girl Scout cookie. And it's really popular this time of year when Girl Scout cookies are being, you know, sold. So today when we opened the Crackberries, we started snacking on Oreos because we frequently have a little snack with our uh, with our drinks. And just have it be known, you don't have to go try this because Vina and I have done it for you. Mm-hmm. Crackberry and Oreos do not pair well together. No. No. 
So no. that one will not be on the list of things to uh, pair with. Do no. not do not try it. It's no, no. These are maybe Sour Patch Kids and oh, yes, and Crackberry, mm-hmm. something along the same lines, yes. but definitely not Oreos and yeah. Crackberry. Well, and they're double stuff, and so I think the cream doesn't mix well with the crack. Yes. <laughs> Wow, I don't even know where to go. With I've never that. tried to pair cream with crack before. <laughs> oh my gosh! I don't stop it, you nasty woman! I'm talking about food and drink, and I, I know your know. mind is nowhere near that I don't right know now. Where to go with that comment? <laughs> so this is just where we all figure out that Cheryl's the sweet innocent one, and Vina takes everything to that level. Jeez. Everything, even Oreo. What the hell, Vina? We're talking about Oreos. They have cream in the middle. You say cream and crack. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're like an eighth grade boy if I say balls. I'm (laughs) totally an eighth grade boy. (laughs) In my head, I'm an eighth grade boy. (laughs) I'm a 46-year-old that thinks like an eighth grade boy. I'm not going to argue with that. You're absolutely correct. (laughs) And I'm sorry, but no one in their right mind should... Like, I cannot trust a person... That doesn't buy double stuffed. <laughs> you were so serious. Like, where is she going with this? I, so, if I've ever bought the single stuff, they better have I, been out of <laughs> double stuffed. Ooh. What if? Okay, this might be the end of our friendship and the end of our podcast forever. But what if I even like the thins? Should I leave? <laughs> what? Your face. They are good. Okay, they do taste a little bit different than a double stuff. It's a different experience. But if you need a little less cream to go with your crack, not bad. (laughs) You sent me down that road. I just this podcast has already gone awry. (laughs) Okay, so today in episode nine, we're going to talk about. um, I, I don't really even know exactly what the topic is or or not not what the topic is i don't really know what the how to what the official name Mm -hmm. of the topic is but basically we're going to talk about those habits that you learn while in you know long marriages with with toxic people Mm because not all long marriages end because you were in a relationship with a toxic person you know there's there's lots of reasons why people get divorced you know, after long marriages and short marriages and everything in between. Mm-hmm. But after being in a relationship with someone who was a narcissist or abusive or, you know, whatever, it's very common, I feel, and I would have to look at the experts, but I feel like they're going to agree with me. Oh, I, definitely. I feel it's very common that the other person tends to take on those habits out of self-preservation or to over time like you said earlier eye for an eye you know you right. you develop those bad habits that you don't even mean to right and don't even realize that realizing that you're taking upon yourself i think it, yeah, i think it happens really slowly mm-hmm. and and again like you said i i feel like if you're not coming from a toxic marriage if you just were in a marriage and there was you fell out of love, something happened, whatever the case, then this might not apply to you. But if you're coming from a marriage where you were with someone who didn't know how to have a healthy discussion or a healthy argument, then then slowly over time you start realizing that 
what should work doesn't work with them. Mm-hmm. Like, let's sit down and talk this out. Well, no, they don't talk it out. It's their way or the highway. Right. Well, let's compromise. No, we don't compromise. <laughs> and so over time, when you realize, like, oh, shit, I don't have any footing left. We can't talk about it. It's my way or the highway. Well, your way or the highway. So I don't have any ground to stand on here. What do I do? And so in my case, he yelled and I eventually started yelling back. And I hate that. I'm not a yeller. That's not who I ever was before. But I learned to be like that because it's the only way I could have any sort of back and forth with him, which it's kind of like... When you're parenting and they tell you that a kid will do anything to get attention, even if it's negative attention, I feel like I learned that. Like, he would ignore me mm-hmm. for days and weeks, and I, I needed some sort of interaction, mm-hmm. closure. Can we talk about this? I'm sitting there chomping at the bit, ready to compromise so we can move on, and he's stirring in this. So eventually I just learned, well, if I push your buttons and you piss you off, kind of I at least get a reaction. Yeah. And that's horrible. And I did that for years, but I didn't realize I was doing that. Like, I didn't sit down one day and intentionally say, oh, well, let me be a little shit and yeah. see if I can yeah. get on your nerves. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I needed to have my husband, to have someone there who wanted to fight for me as much as I wanted to fight for him. And even if you're in a disagreement, at least allow you to have your turn at a voice. You know, fights are normal in a marriage. Right, right. Arguments are normal in a marriage. And I'll go off on a tangent on another podcast about, you know, my ex was raised in a family where they didn't fight in front of the children. And so their children never learned how to fight. Correct. They never learned how to handle adversity because that was all they protected their kids from adversity and real life marriage scenarios. And that hurt us, too. And fights are normal in a marriage. But you you have to be able to. The, the fight has to be both sided. You know, you both have to have a voice in that. And if one person is constantly stifling you and constantly taking your voice away and you're the person that never gets closure and never gets, you know, to, to finish an argument or to at least even contribute right. their side to an argument, then that is that in and, in and of itself is kind of abusive. Oh, it's in, insanely abusive. You're throwing off the entire tip of the scale in that marriage mm-hmm. because it, if you if you pull back from any relationship if you get into some sort of argument or fight disagreement whatever your sole goal should be to solve that right your input their input and you solve it and it might suck and you might have to compromise like hell and you might be mad for a little while they might be mad but ultimately the goal is to come up with a solution for said problem. Exactly. Unless you're married to a narcissist. Mm -hmm. Then the scale is tipped and you don't get to contribute. You just have to suffer until you figure out how to deal with whatever the thing is because it's not going to change. Right. I mean, chances are good. There, I'm sure, are instances where things could. But for the most part, like you said, you don't get that voice. You don't get to have an opinion. You just deal with it. No, and it's... Over time, it can go in two different... Well, it can probably go in many different ways, but with you and I, it went in two different ways where you learned how to be snarky. You know, you adjusted your personality and your habits to be snarky because at least that was something. Right. I was already... Again, I'm a Texan and I can be a bitch. I was already very aggressive mm-hmm. when it comes to an argument, but 
with him, he just shut down and I wasn't allowed to finish. So he would push me until I would be at the peak of my anger and then he would shh and walk away. And it's like, just, I mean, I'm like a roaring fire because you just pushed me to that point and now I get no closure, oh, nothing. the worst feeling. I, it, over time, it developed into a drowning feeling. It, I would drown in my own built-up anger. Wow. And that, it was stifling. Like, it was suffocating is, is the correct word. I, I felt suffocated constantly because I didn't, I didn't always, the fights weren't always my fault. So I, I didn't always make myself or bring myself to that point. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Like, I was just walking around angry, pissed off all the time. Well, and of course not. Reaching my peak. Nobody wants to be like that all no. the time. And, and if it was, I could, you know, blame myself. A lot of times it was him that would push me to that and then just in the peak of it, shut it down and leave me with nowhere to go. So I, over time, developed the habit of letting that build up and letting that build up and letting that build up because I didn't. I didn't know what to do with it. What do you do with it? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with it. And so it just built up and built up and built up. And so it eventually got to where I would have these explosive beyond my control. I don't even know where it came from at the time. Now I understand it's from all the prior things building up to that. Right. Release where everything would come out. And then he would say, he would use that against me and say, you're over the top. Like you, you explode. You... And he would use that against me, and I felt like I was in this never-ending cycle of pure fucking hell. Oh, my gosh. You just described my marriage to a T. I, I wonder how many narcissists use that tactic, because my ex-husband used that so many times. It's gaslighting. Get me up, get me up, get me up, to the point where I'm furious, and then walk away. Yeah. That's gaslighting. Oh, that's gaslighting. That's, that's a version of gaslighting. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And it's so intentional, which mm-hmm. I think is what and then we're the crazy is infuriating. Ones. Oh, man. And then when I did let loose, because I did the same thing as you, I kept it on side, kept it on side. But then what I noticed over the years is in the rare occasion that he would sit down and let me have my moment, which was very, very few and far between. But when I did get to say something, it all came out. Yeah. Like, let me tell you what's been going on for the last four years because I haven't had a chance to talk and now you're going to let me talk and here it all comes. And I would get the same response that you got. Like, are are you okay? Oh, do you need to talk to someone? This is not healthy. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) Like infuriating. Like, no, I'm not okay. But, but I didn't fully wrap my head around why it was going on in the middle of it. Eventually I did after a few years, like, well, yeah, I'm penting up all this anger and I'm trying to go eat it away. So I gained all kinds of weight, but all the anger was still there. So now I'm fat and miserable. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, and and it just builds and builds. And and now I'm unhappy with myself because I, I can't control it and I don't know what to do with it. And it's still occurring and still building up. And it's just, it's a, not only is a recipe for disaster, but then to when we finally do lose our shit and explode because we have, we're drowning in it, mm-hmm. to use that against us to say, well, you're volatile, you're explosive, you're, and that's the one thing that was said after our, after our divorce is he kept throwing up to me, well, 
like a few times he threw up to me that was verbally abusive to him because I exploded ever so often because it was so built up that I I couldn't control it. And it wasn't, I never, like, I can honestly say, I never said, you're this and you're that and, and like, attacked his, his, you know, his being and his mm-hmm. person. I would say, you're doing this and you're doing that. And they were all legitimate things that over time, had we discussed each and every one, I could, you know, we could have talked it out. And if he would have acknowledged, you know, you're right, or I disagree or whatever, then at least we could talk about that. But when you just hang me out to dry and you piss me off and and go into an argument and I think, okay, we're doing this and you push me to the point where I'm at my peak and then just walk away because you can and then get pissed off because six arguments later, I finally explode and lose my shit like that that's terrible that's terrible to do to a person and it has it in a sense it became a habit with me oh yeah me too for years for years (laughs) but I, I think that's survival mode I think we just had no idea of any other course of action to take no problem solving doesn't work compromise doesn't work sitting down like two fucking adults and talking about your problems doesn't work like, you just get to this, like, for me, it was almost like a mental checklist. Well, here's this person. We're s- supposed to be in love, so we will do whatever it takes, right? So this is what you do when you when you have an argument, when you have a fight. You compromise. Nope, not an option. You do this. Nope, not an option. And you check off all these possibilities, and then you get to the end of the list, and you're like, well, now what the hell do I do? Yeah. I, I don't know what to do. And so you drive yourself crazy you can cry you can scream I slammed a lot of doors it there's just only so many options before you just lose your mind and when, I sincerely lost my mind from oh yeah. from all those years of that 100 yeah. like, same and, and in fact I'll even admit that it bled over into my relationships outside of the marriage like for you example for example what should have been a very simple disagreement went haywire because I I couldn't be mad at him ever so anything that happened outside I had free range and and I couldn't control it it was like it was like it was like finally allowing you know a, a race car is held back and held back and you know they're pressing on the brake but they're the gas is spinning and then they're it hits a and green then it, light yeah, it and then they take off <laughs> that's in those moments with my friends and with family and things like that I was very explosive for many years because, and, and got the label of it, you know, of being aggressive and explosive and all that, because no one knew that at home I was constantly being built up the anger and the pain and all of that and never allowed to release any of it or Mm -hmm. talk about it or, you know, anything. I had no outlet. And so that it, it started going out into my outside relationships. Wow. And luckily, you and I made it back together, but I will forever have that that reputation, and I can't change that. I, I can't go back and change that with every single person right. that I did it to. We had that picturesque marriage, you know, on the outside that everybody thought was perfect, so that even places more blame on me as, well, I can see what happened because she's very explosive and very angry, and 
because I didn't talk about anything outside of my marriage. Right. I so it seemed like you, yeah. you and your strong personality were causing <laughs> issues when that wasn't the case at all. No. And in fact, one of my brother-in-laws is as soon as he heard, um, all the family was gathered together and one of my brother-in-laws on his side made sure and made a point in front of the entire family when he heard he was like well that was it was only a matter of time I mean could and he said to a couple of the other brothers could you have lived with Fina wow really yeah yeah because he just saw that surface part and the, yeah. yeah because that that's all he saw was the aggressive explosive side right. of Fina which didn't even occur in the first part of a marriage it built up to that Oh, yeah, I, I definitely think it takes some time to to adjust like that because unless you're already a narcissist, you don't fall into those behaviors overnight. Right. I think it grows on you, and it's almost like a last resort. Like, you don't know what else to do, so you bit back. I... I did... I wasn't aggressive. I just... I think I just ate all my emotions, honestly. Which is horrible, but no, you know, that's I, I how, ate my emotions in my marriage. I mean, yeah, I can't you, wait. Yeah, you did. That's right, you did too. Yeah, I I was sixty five pounds heavier at my peak. I was pushing two hundred, and I'm five six. So yeah, so you ate your emotions. Too. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't I didn't go the aggressive route. I guess I went more of the I just got quieter and quieter and quieter to the point where I just feel like I I didn't even know myself anymore. I. I just had no no idea of my personality or who I who I was at all really. Yeah, because the, who you started out with in that marriage was not who you came out with. No. And I didn't like who I was. And mm-hmm. and I think that honestly now that I'm saying that I'm just realizing that, but that that's when I started realizing that there's something wrong with living like that. Mm-hmm. Is when I realized I didn't know myself anymore and I didn't like who I currently was being. I didn't like the kind of life I was leading for oh, myself. I, yeah. I loved a, a lot of what I had set up. I loved my job. I loved my my girls and being a mom and so much of it, you know, that I, I did love. But the actual wife part and, and just myself, just who is Cheryl? No idea. Nor, nor did it even occur to me that I had a choice to be someone because I was just so I'll say it again like I was just stuck in survival mode I don't yeah. know what else to call it you know I I 100% can see that because I didn't I mean there got it got to a point where I didn't like myself either yeah and ha- I, I didn't have any further capacity or energy or anything to even devote to fixing it no I knew I knew I didn't like myself and I knew I didn't like what I had become but I was, I was so much in survival mode it, it, for many different reasons that mm-hmm. I, I had nothing, nothing, not an ounce of energy to devote to fixing it and didn't even know how because that, I was so was, far in. Yeah, that's exactly what was going to be my next question is even if you had that desire, did you know what to even do about it? No. Because I... I I, I, know I was my, in too deep. Yeah. Yeah. And then your brain gets like this fog. I know brain fog is a, is a thing for sure. But even with outside of depression and other mental health issues, I feel like with this, with narcissism, brain fog becomes a thing for the victims because your mind is just constantly played with mm-hmm. and, and you just do. You get so 
so foggy and so confused. And I, I feel like I lived in a constant state of confusion. Yeah. And, and so with the brain fog, I, I wouldn't have even known what to do if I did say, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a better Cheryl. No idea how I would have even started. No, I had to get out of it in order to fix it. Right. Now I can tell you. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I had to get out of it. And, and that was kind of my, my, you know, one of my breaking points was that I can't, I knew I couldn't go on like this. I was going to suffocate in not a literal way, but in a, a spiritual, emotional, like I was losing myself. Mm-hmm. And I had to, you know, I had to get out. I had to fix it. And that, you know, that came off to a lot of people as me giving up. That came off to a lot of people. And I've said in a previous podcast, I didn't just walk, you know, walk away from it and say we're done. I even then said I need this, this, and this, and this, and let's fix it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it wasn't provided. But there wasn't any attempt in, the fi- in fixing it right. and, and acknowledging my needs. So that's when I said I was done. You know, I hate that I, I developed that reputation and that identity that I was, you know, high strung and explosive and all that. But like, I don't want to say I'm definitely not glad it happened to me, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that at least I had the, the capacity somewhere in there that to recognize it. And it did eat at me mm-hmm. because that ended up being one of the driving factors of me realizing that I need change is me losing myself. Otherwise, I probably would have just kept going and going and going. And as, you know, the, I'm sure you've heard this too. Well, why didn't you just, you know, stick it out or it would maybe, who knows, you know, in a couple more years it would have got better. And, right, right. Okay, but where would I have been emotionally and spiritually in those few years? You know, I, I, I'm sorry, but he isn't the only one that's valuable in that relationship. No, no, not at all. And especially when you've spent 18 years married to a narcissist or 22 years married to a narcissist that happened over time and and it's not like we didn't give them every opportunity under the god-given sky (laughs) to do their changing yeah and and i know both of us did i know both of us gave our our ex-husbands that opportunity they didn't take it so are we supposed to sit around and hope that they do next year or the year after that or the year after that no how I mean, many years like right put a you can't put a label on it you know I tried for three years I tried for the last three years of our marriage and yeah. and just you know got to a breaking point and you know some will say why didn't you try longer well can you really put a value a timetable right I got out whenever I felt like I couldn't suffocate like that any longer. Whenever I felt like I was on the brink of losing myself completely, mm-hmm. I, that's when I, I gave him the ultimatum. And it's like you said, it formed over time, and it became a habit, and it became, a whether we wanted to or not, a natural response that, in my case, bled out you know, to other relationships because mm-hmm. I couldn't use it. You know, I couldn't let release it at home. But... Just like that it was a habit that was formed over time, I think that I'm six years out of my divorce, and I can see that habit. I can now recognize that habit Mm -hmm. rearing its ugly head every once in a while, even though I have been working on it, and I do recognize it. And, you know, that has been one of my biggest um, goals is to 
learn how to get rid of that mm-hmm. and force communication. And I know you can't always force communication, but try to encourage the other person to communicate to where, okay, look, I don't care how mad we are. We are going to sit here and we're going to work through this until we get to the bottom of it. I may not like the answer. You may not like the answer, but at least let's both have closure. Let's both come to an end of it. But one of you cannot and walk away. No, that's that's horribly toxic. I think the only way to have a healthy relationship with anyone in your life, your significant other, your kids, your parents, anyone, is that both people get to have their voice heard. And if you stifle someone else's voice, then then the scale automatically tips and then someone's getting shafted and right. and that's not fair and whichever person it is and so I, I have definitely learned that too as I've I'm three years out now and now I know how to I'm learning still but I know yeah, much better same. <laughs> how to say you know okay this is our issue where are you coming from where am I coming from how are we getting to a place where we're both happy with it because there's not going to be screaming and there's not going to be my way or the highway, like none of that stuff. Yeah. So, so how do we do this in a healthy manner? Have you seen it? Like, I know we're both in new relationships and things. Have you seen it like rear its ugly head or have you seen those habits creep back in? Um, uh, yeah, just recently actually. And, and it was a complete miscommunication and I should know better, but again, I'm still learning you know, 22 years in and three years out, I still got some time. And I did do a lot of healing in between. So I've definitely learned over the last few years how how much I can have a voice in something and that I'm perfectly capable and should have an opinion and be able to, to voice what I want. And that's probably common sense for a lot of people, but that was ripped away from me for so long that I definitely just thought things happened to me I didn't realize that I had a voice in that yeah so recently I had a it was a text conversation with my boyfriend and um and he said something that was completely innocent but in my past relationship would have caused a huge fight Mm -hmm. so I instantly went into panic mode and I was sure there was going to be this big fight and I was I started having those feelings of insecurity and um, and panic, basically. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, where, where is this going to go? Is this the end? What's going on I here? Mess, I just messed up. Right, mm-hmm. right. And I was waiting, just waiting for, you know, the other shoe to drop, so to speak. And And so he said how he felt, and I said how I felt, and we texted a few more times about it, and then it was compromised and done and this was all with all within like an hour hour and a half you know and and uh it was but I bet you overthought the living hell out of it oh my gosh in my head we were we were gonna break up because Mm -hmm. I how could I be so dumb and and do this thing that he you know brought up to me and oh my gosh I'm a horrible person and he'll never be able to forgive me and he I was waiting for like the the mean text to start and that's nothing on him I I don't think he has a mean bone in his body but it was just me playing on those old emotions and just like okay I'm in panic mode I'm in and I was in defensive mode too where I get ready to pounce on something because Mm -hmm. I've done that so many times in the past and I'm like wait a minute I I don't have anything to pounce on yet what am I getting all defensive he has shown you no signs no 
Yeah. No, no but it was just old stuff coming up in my head. And so <laughs> at the end, <laughs> I know it was probably weird for him, but I was like, um, so that's it? Are we, <laughs> are we cool? And he was like, yeah, we're cool. <laughs> oh, oh, is that how that works? That's how that works. And I, I really think as, as a grown ass woman, that's probably the only healthy disagreement I've had in, I can't even tell you. Yeah. With, with a significant other. Right. In years. Wow. Yeah. But it was just, it started, it was done. It's refreshing and shocking all at the same time. Beautifully said. Yeah. 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 I was definitely in shock of how easy it was and refreshing to know that every little thing doesn't have to turn into some big major disagreement because I feel like in my marriage, everything, everything turned into a huge disagreement. Mm -hmm. Even if it was about the littlest, dumbest thing ever. Oh, yeah. I definitely have, you know, in this relationship, I've had moments where I would shut down. Mm Mm-hmm. Naturally, even though he didn't shut me down, I would shut down naturally because I just didn't let myself get to the peak. The you know I'd start up mm-hmm. the the angry argument and then I would shut myself off, and I was inadvertently doing to him what my ex did to me, where I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm, I'm hmm. done. Interesting. And that would send him into an emotional tailspin because he's like, no, you know we're going to talk this out, and, right? And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because I was expecting him to get me to my peak and then walk off, and I was accidentally doing that. Like, I'm going to do it to you before you do it to me. Right. If I duck out before you duck out, then I won't be as heartbroken. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And then I justified it by saying, well, I don't yell anymore. You know, I I got rid of the explosive vina, and I don't yell anymore. But I took on that really bad habit, or I created that really bad habit, because he caused the explosive, you know, my ex caused the explosive bad habit, and I countered it with the habit that matched what he, you know, what right. he did to me that caused it. Like, yeah. it was so mind-blowing when I realized that that's what I was doing. That's interesting. I, I had a similar experience of realizing that I did something like that, but it was the polar opposite. I, I realized that I finally had a voice and I finally could say what was on my mind and once I realized that I went overboard I didn't shut it down early I just vomit and so unfortunately my youngest daughter and I spent you know the last few years of her high school with just the two of us living together and so the arguments would frequently between be between me and her and we would start arguing about something and I just couldn't cork it I could not stop and she told me several times, you know, Mom, I, I don't know what else you want me to tell you. Yeah. And there, there was... To her, no, the argument was over. There was nothing else to argue mm-hmm. about. But I was so unaccustomed to being heard. Yeah. And to having my own voice mean something that I just on and on. And what should have taken 10 minutes to discuss ended up taking an hour and a half, both of us in tears, because I finally had a voice and she paid for that unfortunately you know yeah yeah but but that's not your fault and I hope you recognize that that's not that's not your fault and it's not I I've done the same things you know my kids took the brunt and that's another podcast as well 
that it is. We yeah. have that written down actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's already a thing. <laughs> yeah. But during that time where, you know, I dropped my basket and I've admitted that over and over again and will continue to admit it. Yeah. Um, the kids, you know, my kids took the brunt. Anytime that I felt like my relationship, my current relationship was in trouble or anytime I was stressed or anytime I felt like my world was crumbling or anytime I felt like my kids were mad at me or I would go into that that mode where you know I was explosive towards them and and just I was incessant just constant 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 I keep it going and going and going and you know they've had the same reactions over and over again where they're like mom what else you know what do where is this going right and me, I just to rest. Yeah, yeah. And I think the the most harmful, not harmful. I don't want to say that. Hurtful. The most hurtful thing that really made me realize, Vina, get your shit together. Like, get your shit together. Was when one of my children said, "I can't talk to you." Hmm. I'm like, "Well, I'm your mom. You know, you've always been able to talk to me," which was true until after the divorce Mm. because then I was so explosive and so like word vomit and angry vomit that they would shut down Mm -hmm. like I I was causing them to shut down as well and they just they said I I can't talk to you I have felt that over the past few years I haven't been able to talk to you because it goes nowhere you explode and I just would rather just avoid it so I just don't deal with it and I'm like holy shit I'm doing to them in in some weird way in some opposite way you know because he would just shut down I'm causing them to shut down right yeah I get that I get that well because we we picked up those habits and I think after so many years I mean we're talking a couple decades here that stuff gets ingrained in you and I'm, I'm sure I speak for myself, but I imagine it's the same for you. Like, I I didn't realize I was acting so shitty. No. I had no idea I was being equally as toxic. I knew that I wasn't comfortable with the way the arguments were going. Mm-hmm. I knew that that's not how I would choose to sit down and talk something out. But I didn't realize I had just completely morphed onto his way of doing things and that it was equally as toxic it kind of you know it kind of hurt my relationship with my kids for a while and then luckily you know she had the balls to say that to me and it was a very painful comment but it was a reality check like you need to get your shit together and thank god that we have kids like that because mine have said the same thing to me and i know that there's situations like ours where the and maybe it goes to to our relationship because we did spend so much time with our kids without our husbands yeah. because of medical school and traveling work and all that stuff and just general <laughs> don't want to be around pissy attitudes. Yeah. But I, I think because of that, we're very close to our kids. And, and I'm in retrospect, I hate that I went through that in front of them, but I'm also glad that we have kids that are strong enough to look us in the eye and say that like you're being shitty yeah and because how many people do we know where they've lost relationships with a parent because they can't have that conversation yeah. with them they can't sit down and say you know look mom this is not cool that you're acting like this instead they just shut down and they leave and I've always wondered you know well I've always had felt bad to think how can you go 
you know, that long without talking to your parents or without talking to your children or, but I mean, that, that cleft just grows and grows and grows and until it's, you know, bigger than the Grand Canyon and Mm -hmm. it's, it becomes too far to reach out anymore, you know? Right. It's just easier to, to move on. And so that, thank goodness you and I are the top that I'm like, no, that, that will no not an option let's close that shit up right now yeah you know and and if the change needs to occur in me i'm the mom i'm the parent i'm the older one i'm gonna do it you know i i'm gonna swallow any kind of pride or you know i disagree or whatever and and own my shit and because i am the damn parent and i'm gonna do it and and same goes for my relationship you know i had to realize He's my current relationship. He's not innocent either. You know, we have our arguments and things like that. But used to my flaws were used against me. Right. Like he had none. It was just always me and me and me and you did this and you did this. And, and they're pointed out in abundance. Oh, in abundance. <laughs> and so that wears me down. But now it, he can say, listen, you're doing this and I don't like it. And I don't instantly get those insecurities defensive, creep up. Yeah, yeah. defensive mm-hmm. and mad and angry. And it blows out. I, I go, oh, you know, or I'll say, oh, I didn't mean to. What I meant was this. Or, right. But at least now I'm man enough to discuss it because I've seen what not taking care of it or not having that communication or I've seen what the past has caused mm-hmm. in me. And I'm not going to allow that to happen again. Yeah, so I'm exactly in the same spot. Exactly. And, uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, communication will be a part of every relationship I have going forward. And I don't care if it's uncomfortable. If you need to tell me I'm being an ass, tell me and I'll take it and I'll do what I need to do with it. But I definitely couldn't have done that in the past. I was so quick to jump into defensive mode, like right. pounce, like I said earlier, you know, just just ready. Like, OK, are we going to fight? Is this going to be a fight? Let me get ready. I got to put on my, yeah. you know my my superhero outfit and be ready for the fight it was like this whole feeling and and I don't want to be like that anymore I don't want to go into defensive mode so I I now know that I can take that criticism from people because I know they care about me they're not trying to tear me down they're they're pointing things out about me because uh, what I'm doing is wrong yeah or needs to be discussed or you know whatever was misunderstood whatever the case may be but I I can take that now and communicate about it and not jump down anyone's throat and and change if I need to change I think not that I was ever resistant to change I don't think I was I was just so used to the fight that ensued from whatever I was doing wrong yeah like oh you did this let me sit down and tell you what an awful person you are for the next hour and then I'm just not going to talk to you for the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, shit. Okay, here it comes again. What can I do to stop this? I, I don't want this to happen. I'm going to I'm gonna get defensive right now. And I'm going to... But, you know, like anything you can do to stop well, that you, fight yeah, from you starting. Yeah, you instantly put up your own wall. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, you, you said something that caught my attention. You said, you know, I'm going to get a little uncomfortable. I'd rather be uncomfortable. And I think that's key. I would rather be uncomfortable in healthy conversation... And communication than be miserable in a toxic one. Absolutely so. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that's I, what it boils down to. You're, you're so right. I think that the whole thing, just the, the feeling, the anxiety, the 
knots in your stomach, the thoughts in your head that start racing. It's just, it's a whole physical and emotional response that comes from seeing those signs. Like when you know, with my ex, I called them explosions because they literally were, you know, I could see it building up, building up, building up. And I knew it was just going to take me to do the smallest little thing wrong and boom, here it comes. And so whenever an explosion was ensuing, I just, I had a full emotional, physical response to it. And I do not miss that. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh, I do not miss that. I, uh, like I said, this, I don't even want to call it a disagreement, this little compromise. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the littlest <laughs> thing, but, but I started having that reaction just out of almost Pavlovian training, you know? Yeah. It's just like, I, I felt like it was coming, and so I instantly just started feeling that for all you Twilight fans, like when Jacob knows he's going to turn into a werewolf, <laughs> you know, that, that feeling he oh gets. Oh my God. <laughs> I went there. You went there. Team Jacob. <laughs> you went there. <laughs> yes, we were the moms in the movie theater going, every time Jacob took off his shirt, <laughs> to which our daughters in middle school and elementary school would yeah. slink down into their chairs yeah. and they didn't understand how cool we were no they didn't how did they not understand that no just because we were the only moms screaming at jake they clearly the know it now though oh they do they yeah. do yeah yeah shout out to our kids for knowing how Yay. cool we are <laughs> shout out to our son for being dragged along with all the girls because Aww. you didn't have any boys so he always was the odd man out what a guy <laughs> Such a good guy. But he was always there with a smile. He was. Every single time. Every single time. So I had an experience recently where I reverted mm. completely back to that old person I was in my marriage because of an encounter with my ex. And I recognized that. Like, for the first time ever, I was like, holy shit, the person that walked out there is completely different than the person that walked back in. Wow. It was a conversation that was about an hour and a half long, and it was about 45 different topics. We speak a lot over text. Mm -hmm. um, over that period of time, like, you know, this was the first time we had actually, in a long time, mm -hmm. spoken face-to-face. -face. And the first thing I noticed was that I, I like to have an escape route. If he's in his car, I'll stand, right. you know, off to the you know, side. But I rarely, I've never sat in the car and talked to him or anything like that. Um, and it's not because I'm afraid or anything like that. You know, he's never hit me or anything, but I don't want to feel trapped. Mm -hmm. And he has the type of personality that can do that to me. Right. And in that conversation with 45 different topics, I did nothing right in all of those topics. Like I did nothing right. And over each topic I just got more down on myself and more down on myself and more down on myself until by the time I walked in I was like I was low like, could I you was feel low. it happening as it was happening or was it after that you were like holy shit what just happened to me it was after wow I even in the moment like I, if I knew it was happening I would have wrapped it up and because I have before I he started his shit before and I've been like well I'm done have a good day you know and walked in and Got the angry text, you know, later, but because right. this conversation started out in an innocent way and we were talking about our kids and it was an important conversation. So I was going to see it through, but over time I had done nothing right. And, mm. and if I didn't do anything, if it wasn't about whether or not I did it right, it was still somehow 
the fault was mine. Of course. I mean, who else could have belonged to? Yeah. And so by the time I walked back in, um, my boyfriend saw me and he was like, are you okay? He's like, holy shit. Because it was a completely different person. Mm-hmm. I reverted back. I Out there, I didn't argue. Mm-hmm. And I remember I wringed my hands a lot. Like, I, I oh, was wringing my nervous. hands a lot. Like, I was nervous because I couldn't, I, I didn't even stand up for myself. Like, I, I tried a little bit, you know, and I know there, I shared with you, there, there were moments where I, I said something, but I just said just enough to stand my ground. But, I mean, I had every right to say, but you, you know, didn't follow through or you didn't do this or, and put it back on him, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I just defended myself. I got brave enough in a few moments to defend myself. But even those were met with, you know, he, he has this face that he makes or he just stops talking and he just sits there and then it's uncomfortable. And it was a conversation that solidified even more so, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's been over six years, but solidified that I I am so glad that I got out when I did because mm-hmm. we could not, our two personalities could not have continued on. We couldn't have. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I make him miserable too. I don't know. But I know that I cannot exist in a relationship where once again, six and a half years later, I don't have a voice. And everything that goes on with our children is my fault, even though one's in the military and two live with him now. But yet it's still my fault. Right. But that that's just the narcissism. I don't think that that's your personality and his personality. I think that's purely that nothing makes a narcissist happy. That's true. Nothing. Because I know how we were as wives. And I know we bent over backwards to be good-ass wives, good moms. We we did what we were supposed to do. And so I don't... I can honestly look at my marriage and say that. And, and not that I didn't do anything wrong, because of course I wasn't perfect the whole time. I messed up lots of times. But... I can definitely say it wasn't a it wasn't like an irreconcilable differences kind of thing. Right. He was a narcissistic asshole and I put up with it for as long as I could, period. And and I think that's hard to admit too because you you don't want to be cocky and be like, yeah, it's all their fault. No, you don't. But at the same time, it, there is no making them happy. I don't think you could have gone out there with a smile on your face and fresh baked brownies and had it gone any better. I, unless I, they had, you know... I agree with that. Some Mary Jane in them that yeah. might <laughs> shut up or something. <laughs> True. I, I agree with that. And I do, I do recognize that. But I instantly reverted back to that person that was married wow. to him where I, I allowed him to say all those things that I know wasn't true, you know? And, mm-hmm. and you're, you're absolutely right. I wasn't perfect in my marriage, and eventually I did become explosive. That isn't on him. I could have controlled that. I could have, you know, developed a different type of way of dealing with it. Um, so I own that. But I look. I have Facebook memories that pop up all the time from ten years ago, and you know, twelve years ago, or you know, whenever I started Facebook, and me bragging on him, and him, me calling him my best friend, and and I meant that. Like I read those posts, and I actually get choked up because I meant that. Mm-hmm. You know, I did think that we were sealed for time and all eternity. I did think that this was my best friend for the rest of my life and into, you know, the hereafter. And no matter how bad it got, we would fix it. 
it just got so bad and the the anger that built up inside of me from all of the the disagreements and the lack of voice and all that just became so much that I just couldn't take it anymore. Had there been an inkling, an ounce of trying, effort, commitment, communication from his side, we would probably still be in a relationship. But it got to where there was literally nothing being given to me that made me want or showed me that I should stay. You know, there was nothing. I think your marriage was a little bit like that too, because I had, I had the pretty picture as well of your marriage, but it was so odd for, for me because we were the poster, you know, I've said this many times, Mm -hmm. we were the poster Mormon family, him, me and the kids. And so many people like, our, one of our good friends in Michigan, you know, a million times whenever her and her husband would get in a fight, she would come over and she would talk to both of us. And, you know, she would always say, y'all have the perfect marriage and y'all are a couple goals and this is what I want. Right. And inside I was like, you know what? We do. In those moments, I'm like, you, yeah, we do. But it wasn't a, yeah, we do. It was a, we do. So I need you to, like, I wanted so bad to say, this is what people think of us. I need you to help me actually live that. Right. Because what we're portraying to people is not, and even to our kids, what we're portraying to our kids isn't even what is the reality of our marriage. Right. Right. I I got caught up in that trap for years, years, and I had myself convinced that... (laughs) And now I laugh when I look back on it, but I had, I, I sincerely had myself convinced that I just had a very passionate marriage, meaning when it was good, it was amazing. Yeah. Like we went out, we took family vacations. We had so much fun together and we really did as a group that d- didn't mean that him and I had any solid footing but as a group you know the four of Mm -hmm. us we had great times together and so we did have that picture perfect view to everyone but then when the bad came along it was like rock bottom bad so in in my head and I don't know looking back if I just convinced myself of this or if I really did believe this but in my head that was just because we were such passionate people the good times were great but that meant that the bad times were like holy shit but now looking back on it I I see that it was just the pattern of the toxicity. Like, Mm -hmm. of course, when there's no fighting going on and I'm not being a royal bitch and, you know, causing all the problems in the household, of course things are going to be great because he's not triggered and he's in a good mood. And so we all take advantage of that and like, hey, let's go have fun. Something good's going to happen today. We can go to the movies. We can go walk around the mall together. He's in a great mood. But then, you know, when the bad hit, forget about it. And... And it was just up and down and up and down. And and now I see how broken that is. Now I now I realize that like a nice even relationship with some great times, but just even. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it is so it's much almost like the healthier. notebook. The relationship oh, in the yeah. notebook where where I mean they had a very in the beginning they had a very volatile relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and everyone considered that passionate. Right. And I love that movie. I do. And I love their their relationship, but they were extremely volatile. 
in the beginning. Right. And having been in one of those relationships, I realized that it, it wasn't a healthy beginning. Like, it wasn't healthy. Yeah. You know? And, and eventually they moved on to, you know, having a wonderful life together right. and got better. But they got better. Right. You know, they realized that that was an extremely volatile time. And I think a lot of times we do confuse passion. Well, I just have a passionate relationship. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're calling it? Yeah. Answers? Because passionate romance is different than I, I'm a Texan and I'm a Texas woman and I am very high strung. And I oftentimes say, well, I'm a very passionate person about things I believe in. And no... When I believe in something and someone comes at me and tries to change my belief, and that is something that I have, like, a firm foothold in, I, me being passionate means I'm going to be a bitch and I'm going to come right back at you. <laughs> and I'm going to tear you up one side and down the other. Right. And it, that's not passionate. You know what I mean? Right. So I think a lot of times we misuse that word I to agree. describe volatile relationships. Yeah, I agree. And we're taught that. Oh, oh yeah, oh, that's a learned behavior. That's a learned passion. It's passionate. Yeah. It's feisty. It's yeah. beautiful. Oh yeah, for sure. And and, and fights are normal. I, I want to put that out there. Fights are normal. Fights are normal. Fights that don't end up in yelling, screaming, name calling, throwing things, breaking things, ignoring each other for months, years. Not years. Yeah. <laughs> it's an exaggeration, but you know, breaking each other down from the inside, Ooh, attacking character instead yeah. of what you're upset about. Yeah, that's the whole difference: is being able to have a conversation based around okay, what's our issue? Our issue is this. Okay, then we focus on this. I don't want to hear that you're mad because of that thing from a year ago. Yeah. Or that you don't like the way I'm dressed right now. <laughs> don't attack me. Like, this issue right here, we're going to handle this. And and those kinds of fights are not only normal, I think they're essential in, in everyone having their voice. Everyone needs to be heard, and otherwise we just bottle shit up, and then it all goes south from there. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the fights are definitely normal the narcissistic types of fights where one person doesn't have a voice and the whole my way or the highway and then even when the fight's over like just speaking to my own marriage the worst habit i i got us into and i take full responsibility for this and if i could go back in time i would change this automatically is uh when we would get into these big explosive fights the next step is then he would ignore me until he was done being upset with me and that could be days it could be weeks I, I've mentioned before at the end it was months but then it was just like I don't know one day the sun was shining the right way and he decided it was a good day to not be mad at me anymore and so you know we'd wake up in the morning and all of a sudden I'd feel an arm hug me and my dumbass just rolled right over into that hug yeah over and over and over again and giving him more and more and more control right right like well I can ignore her for as long as I want to she's just gonna be laying here ready for me to give her a hug when I'm not mad at her anymore so I definitely take responsibility for that because if I would have put a stop to that way early in our relationship and said no 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 we're not just gonna roll over and pretend like this didn't just happen and like you haven't talked to me for the last two weeks I, if I were stronger then 
I, I think things would have went differently. Not that I would have changed him because I honestly don't feel like I could have and I still don't feel like he'll ever change. No. But I could have changed the way I responded to him. I, I don't know Which if that would have worked have, even, you know? <laughs> it, it, I mean, in a sense, we have to own the fact that how we responded to those action, their actions, mm-hmm. whether they're right, we're wrong, we're right, they're wrong, how we responded to their aggressive actions or lack thereof, you know, ignoring and all that, that in and of itself caused them to develop more and more bad habits. Right. So, I mean, at least we're honest enough and intelligent enough that we can admit that we played a role. And, and I don't want to take anything away from that, but at the same time, when you're dealing with somebody that just flat out can never be wrong. I don't know that any change on our part, I don't know that we could, wouldn't have, you know, could have gone to the moon and back and with change and trying different things and, you know, whatever adapting or mm-hmm. I don't know that that would have changed the, the inevitable that, because I know us Yeah. and there's only so long that you and I are spirits who we are can be stifled like that can be treated like that yeah yeah you're right you're right and it's very possible that it wouldn't have changed a single thing Mm -hmm. because looking back after after you said that if I'm looking back like I went to therapy and for a while I was under the impression that if I tried my hardest he would eventually jump on board Mm -hmm. and so I, I went to therapy by myself for quite a few years and uh and the response to that was, oh, is that what your therapist said? Huh? You know, smart-ass remarks about that. Yeah. And so eventually... When you're making an effort to to better. To better the marriage, yeah. to better myself, to understand him. Because I was so confused at how you can tell someone you love them and then treat them like that. I mean, this is before I understood what, you know, narcissism even was. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I thought I was doing the right thing. So then I got shot down for that. And... Uh, and so then I read books. So many I've read so many self help books when it comes to marriage. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then the response to that was, "Oh, did you read that in your stupid fucking book?" Like, oh my gosh, I just can't do anything right. Yeah. So so you're right. Maybe if I would have not accepted his, I guess that's a peace offering, right? <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I'm done being mad at you. Let's hug. Um, if I would have not accepted that and put my foot down, I. Maybe it wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah, I don't, I, know. I don't know, you know, and I can't speak for your marriage, but I mean, I tried therapy. He wouldn't go, so I went. Same. <laughs> and eventually I talked him into going thinking that I had talked him into marriage counseling. He was like, yeah, okay, I'll give it a try. And I was like, oh, we're going to do this. Thank you. Thank we're going to go to couples much. counseling because yeah. I've been going by myself and I was feeling a lot better. You know, I'd started losing weight. I started growing and and dealing you know facing some of the demons of my past and no his when he gave in he just meant that he was going to try therapy so he started going to a therapist and they were in the same building he went to one and I went to the other but never did you know my therapist was like you know tell him that he's more than welcome to join Mm -hmm. in the session we'll have a joint session with his therapy you know whatever you know as long as all parties agree no no that I made the offer over and over again. I was like, how are we getting anything resolved if we're not like couples therapy is couples therapy. Yeah, we're that's not couples therapy. <laughs> and we have a mediator help us hash out some of the things that are wrong and, and it's a safe zone, a safe space for us to express our, our true feelings now. Wow. So he just wanted to do his own therapy on yeah. his own stuff. Yeah. 
And he made fun of it for a while, even though I was going, and which led me to believe, you know, that kind of hurt me because I was like, okay, then why are you even going? You know, you're not putting any effort in. So I'd say, how's therapy going? I don't know. Well, okay, that, why are we wasting money on it? Right. You know, because I'm excited about what's happening in therapy. I'm hitting some really dark moments. I mean, you've run on blog. I was, <laughs> I was opening up doors from my childhood that are, I mean, it was like facing the devil. Uh-huh. It was really, really hard and, and working my way up to deal with my marriage. Because I thought if I fixed all the things from my childhood, then, you know, I could then focus on my marriage. Because I, I did, I carried a little bit of, a little bit. That's well, You've dealt with more yeah. than a little bit, so fair is fair. Yeah, so I, I carried that into the marriage. But, I mean, even then I didn't carry it in as like this crazy person. Like, I, I just carried it in. Like, and I was honest and said, you know, when we were dating, I said, you know, I lived a childhood that was a little bit horrific. And, you know, unfortunately, those habits have come with me and, you know, it's completely upfront about all of it. But you owned it. I owned it. And so I was excited in therapy whenever I was, you know, because with him, when I got married to him, I ran away from it all. I was like, leave my past behind, never face it. Those things won't sneak back up. Turn the next page. Yeah. Yeah. And in my blog, I actually, you know, it's funny. I'm having a little bit of epiphany right now because in my blog, I actually wrote the 17 year run, I actually wrote that the whole reason why I started therapy is because all of my anger from my past, you know, living with an abusive stepdad, a nightmare stepdad. And, you know, my first dad abandoning us and, you know, my rape and all those things, living with all those, those things were the reasons why I became a volatile, explosive person. And now I even wrote that in my blog, even even just a few months ago. And now that I'm sitting here talking I'm realizing that I wasn't an explosive person going into our marriage. I was argumentative and I was, you know, passionate, but you know, <laughs> I was aggressive. I like, to say, I like to say aggressive, but I also had a great big, huge heart. And if you, you know, when we did communicate, even when I didn't agree, like, there were moments where, you know, I always saw the bigger picture. I'm a bigger picture type of person. That's just who I am. So I'm starting to realize that even in my blog, I lied to myself. I wrote that it was my past that caused me to be volatile in my marriage. And that's not true. And I lied to my therapist, apparently, because I became a volatile person because I was stifled and never allowed to communicate about anything and receive any closure. So did you lie to them or did you just now figure that I out? I just now figured it because out. that's different. But so yeah. it was your truth at the time. Yeah. yeah, it was my truth at the time. Yeah. But even, even like, and this is why I love this podcast because we've always said it's therapeutic for us. It's wonderful sure. if it helps someone, but it's very therapeutic for us, um, for us as an individual. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect example. My blog was me just, you know, getting it all out there and mm-hmm. writing and writing and writing. But talking about it, I'm realizing that I, that wasn't correct. And I even read that part of your blog and didn't think about it. But now that you say that, it makes perfect sense because another part that you wrote in your blog that I think ties into what you're currently saying is that you you did come from so much instability that you were craving that stability. You were craving that textbook beautiful marriage and so I think you did 
whatever you could to make it work because you wanted that beautiful stability for yourself, for your marriage, for your kids, for all of it. And yeah, so that does make sense that the, the volatility didn't come from your past. It came from, well, not your childhood past. It came from your marriage past. Right. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm actually glad. I mean, I guess I'm, it just reconfirms my appreciation and my, I guess, gratitude for this podcast and the opportunities that we've had, you know, to use it as a therapeutic tool to, to heal and to move on and to better ourselves and to look within ourselves. Uh, Many of these episodes I've been forced to look within myself. Oh, I I would say all of them. Yeah. Right. Or maybe minus one or two of the goofy ones, but even then I feel like we still had breakthroughs and moments where we were like, Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way. Like even on the cheating podcast, there were moments where I was saying something and I was like, Oh wait, I can see how a conversation that I was having, you know, with someone through messenger or whatever could have been misconstrued as that. Mm -hmm. You know, even if I didn't mean it, I could tell that they were digging for something more. And I'm a cancer through and through where you can hurt me and you can push me and you oh stop oh stop oh stop and then I'm like okay fucking cut it like I'm I, done. I go zero to sixty. Oh, I've and, seen and, that from you. Yeah, <laughs> a couple times. Not personally. I mean, what? just <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but even that conversation made me, you know, kind of look within and go, okay, I yeah. see. Yeah, even when we were sitting at at the campground way back when I first moved here last year and we were just catching up with each other and talking about our divorces and kind of learning about where each other has been over the past couple of years. And I remember we joked, yeah, we should throw a microphone in front of ourselves because other people have to be going through this too if we had the exact same experiences. Yeah. Even when we talked about that, I don't think for a second we thought that we would be doing so much healing during these conversations no No, at least I didn't I didn't at all yeah you can read a self-help book all day long written by somebody and but until you unless that self-help book was written by someone with life you know those exact experiences a lot of self-help books are and we've discussed this are written by you know therapists and experts and things like that but until you what you're saying comes from the heart and from experience and you've been in the trenches and whatever you're talking about, Mm -hmm. I don't, I can read it all day long, but I'm not going to take it seriously. Right. Right. You know, uh, you can study books and have a degree. You can have a freaking PhD in family therapy, but that does not mean that you know anything about what is going on in in the, my divorce and what I experienced. You may be able to teach me how to, navigate my healing or whatever but you don't understand the true depth of it and you don't haven't experienced it unless you have right unless and then unless I, for have. some reason exactly. I don't take you seriously not that no disrespect to therapists or anything like that but because I love my therapist mm-hmm. but there's a place for that right my true healing comes from being with other women and other men because we've said from day one, we're about the men too. You know, we're not anti-men. We're all in this together. Okay. High school musical. Song, right? <laughs> <laughs> but 
I learn from people who have shared their experiences and shared their moments of healing and shared their epiphanies. That's where I've had those aha moments. Right. Me too. I was just going to say the exact same thing again. (laughs) Those me too moments come from having conversations with other people that have been in the same situation. And I agree with you. I love my therapist and I've learned a lot about myself and healing and and how to normalize, if, if that's the right word, my response to things, you know, like where, where I grew those toxic, unhealthy habits and how to bring those back to, to a normal place. I've learned a lot about that, but as far as healing from my divorce itself, I feel like that's just one of those things that you need someone who's been there that can say, hey, I'm, I'm here and I made it through and you will too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um... Yeah, no, I I fully agree with that. And I think that was one of the things that we kind of underestimated in this this podcast was our self-healing. And we went in with the intention intention of helping others and in turn helped ourselves. Yeah, I guess I just didn't realize how, how much further I had to go. Not that I thought I was there and had healed. I don't think you ever are there. I think it's a constant process of learning and bettering yourself and growing but I definitely didn't realize how much healing I would right. do from from our podcast for sure I think overall this has been super like healthy cleansing great conversation I, I this is one of those episodes like I have a few that are like my favorites I always feel really cleansed when I come out of them and mm-hmm. this is one of those this is one of them I mm-hmm. agree it just flowed really easily and I feel like with what has gone on with us in the last week, it was really relevant. And and so that helped it flow really nicely. And it was good. I agree. So this is the end of episode nine. Which means episode 10 is next. Yes. And again. I can't wait. I know. Again, it is going to be fantastic. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. It's not going to be serious. I warn you, it's probably going to be just over the top ridiculous. Yes. A lot of drink it's gonna be involved yes we will definitely be doubling or tripling up our normal consumption shut, 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 shut. so we might have a <laughs> bottle of pickle vodka because vina has a thing for pickle vodka and it's actually on her grocery list oh right my now God, so no that oh might, she loves shit, it guys you she put loves it on it. there again <laughs> No, that was a really bad night. When you have to be physically carried out of the bar by your boyfriend. And you don't remember being physically carried out of the bar by your boyfriend. That is not considered a good night. Are you sure? <laughs> it sounds like a hell of a good night for some people. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. So, um, thanks for listening. And we will stay tuned because we are going to have episode 10 out soon. And it is going to be a blast. Yes. So, definitely uh, share with your friends if you haven't. Because we'd love to have some some new listeners for episode 10. Okay, great one. Have a good one.